I'm going to start with a statement and see if you agree with me. The meaning of life is love. How many people would agree with that? The meaning of life is love. Nobody. Good. Love lasts forever. Would you agree with that? Love lasts forever. You people are just not sure about my statements at this point, are you? Um, get, you know, when, when life is created in our world, it's because two people make love, is what they say. Um, when a baby is born and placed in the arms of a mother, the mother looks down at this baby and etched on her face is a look of pure love. Now, some people, they get smacked on the rear end by a doctor who is uncaring at all. But, but most people, you know, then they get handed to a mother and I'm sure the baby's like, what was that all about, right? But, but you look down at this baby and some of you are saying, hey, not every baby gets born into the world that way. And I would agree with you, but I would say that probably the vast majority of humans are placed into the arms of a, of a mother who loves them tremendously, we start messing up parenting right after that. Would you agree? Yeah, we start messing it up right after that, right? You know, we, I'm not getting up to change the baby. I got up the last time. I know. I know that's how it goes. But the truth of the matter is, is that love is, is this unadulterated, pure thing at the beginning, and then it gets messed up. Would you agree? Love gets messed up from there on out. My first experience with romantic love was in junior high. How many people remember junior high love? Anybody remember love in junior high school? Uh, the first time you fell in love, I remember the first time I fell in love in junior high school. It was a girl that was in my computer science class, and, and I, oh man, you notice everything, you're obsessed with them at the beginning. You're like, you notice everything about them. If, they, if their hair changes a little bit, you notice it. If they're talking to another guy, you notice it. You're like, what are you doing talking to that guy? Obviously, I, even though I haven't said anything to you, but I obviously love you, shouldn't you know that by now, Right? You're, you're obsessed with them, right? And, and I, I used to even ride my bicycle down to where her house was, and I used to hang out in a little creek by a tree to watch her house to see if she would come outside. Now, I learned later that that isn't love. That's stalking. Uh, I, I figured that out a little bit later. But, but you're just, you're so in love at that point, right? How many people remember the first time you said, I love you to someone? Remember that moment where you're like, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to say it. It's going to come out of my mouth. I think I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it. And, and you're terrified because you're like, are they going to say it back to me? How are they going to respond? And I, I love you. And then you're waiting. And it's this awkward moment to find out what happens, right? In junior high, we knew how to do this better. Am I right? What you would do is you would get your friends to go talk to her friends and find out if she even remotely likes you, and when it is completely confirmed that she likes you, then, and only then, would you give her a note that says, I like you, do you like me back, and it had two boxes, yes or no. How many people know what I'm talking about? That's junior high love. And the truth of the matter is, is when we apply junior high love to God's love, we think, I don't know, man, I hope it's not like that. I hope it's not like that. I was trying to think, what is the purest form of love that we experience here on earth? What is the purest form of that love? And the only answer I could come up with is a dog's love. Do you know what I'm talking about here? How many people know what I'm talking about here? God's love is like a dog's. How many people have dogs? How many people? Dog, dog people? Yeah, very good. Uh, and, and your dog loves you. Am I right? Yeah, right. How many of you have cats? 
Cat people? Good. Your cat loves you, right? No, no. Your cat does not love you. Your cat tolerates you. Your cat is like, oh, it's you again. You may pet me. Right? Your cats and dogs are completely different things, right? And, and there's no greater proof than this than when a dog greets you at home. Am I right about this? How many people know this about a dog when they greet you at home? When you, man, I tell you what, when I get home, no matter how long uh, I've been gone, my dog is like five years old now. He's seen me every day. He sleeps at the foot of my bed. He, 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 he loves me completely. And when I walk in the door, he does the same thing every single day. You're home. You're home. You're home. You're home. How many people have a dog like that? Yeah. I, I call it a spaz retriever is what it is. It's, He's a golden retriever, but I love him. He acts like I've returned home from war. You know, like, like he just is so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if anybody else has ever had this happen. You ever make the mistake of going out to your car and then you realize you forgot something and you have to go back in the house? Anybody ever have this happen? The dog does the same exact thing. You're back, you're back, you're back. I've been gone eight seconds. That's the kind of love that a dog has for us, right? And, and boy, people love their dogs, right? Do people love their dogs? I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I love dogs. I love animals. You ever have, every, everybody, you ever have that one friend that says, uh, uh, I, I, yeah, but I really love animals. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're, you're like, yeah, I love animals. And they're like, no, 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 no. I really love animals. Like somehow the rest of us are out drowning kittens or something like that. Uh, they're like, I really love animals. And you're like, okay, well, that's not that exclusive a group. I mean, it includes everyone except serial killers, right? I mean, and, and they're, but no, no, I truly love animals. But we, we love our dogs. How many people have seen the people that carry around their dogs in a bag? In a little purse? Anybody seen that? Or this is the new one. I just saw this out the other day. How many people have seen somebody walking their dog in a stroller? The whole purpose of walking a dog is to let the dog do the walking. But we love our dogs, right? Listen, we're continuing this made for this journey, and we have got to start at the beginning. When God created you, you were made to love and be loved. You were made to love and be loved. And it's important that we start in the right order on that. We have to start with this. You were made... To be loved by God. If you've got your sermon notes, crack them out. I would love for you to follow along with the scriptures. You were made to be loved by God. And I know that can fall on deaf ears. But Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 says this. Even before he what? Even before he made the world. God what? Loved us. And what else? Chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to, what did he do? Adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him what? Great pleasure. Get this, before God created the universe, he was thinking about you. He chose you to love you. He made the universe so he could make earth, so that he could create humankind, so that you could be born and he could love you. Before anything else, he made the world so that he could love you. And his plan all along was to love you. 
to make you a part of his family, the scripture says, right? And it gave him great pleasure, it talks about in that verse. God loves you and you give him great pleasure. But love isn't something that God just does. It's who God is. It's something that God is. We see in the scriptures. In 1 John 4, 8, it says, But anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. God doesn't have love. God doesn't just show love. God is love. It is his nature and his essence. The nature and essence of love is the person of God. It's his character. So when I say the meaning of life is love, I'm saying that God is at the center of the meaning of life. There would be no love in the universe except that God is love. And the only reason that we can love, the only reason that we can love a dog or or that we can love each other or anything is because we are made in God's image. We were created in God's image. Not everything can love. Ants can't love. Do you know that? Snails can't love. Cows can't love. Although I do love a great steak. You know what I'm talking about? Like seared on both sides and, and cooked to a perfect medium rare with the juices oozing. How many people love a great steak like that? Yeah. Hey, I'm so sorry, vegans. Nobody feels that way about Brussels sprouts. It's not, it just doesn't happen. Uh, I feel bad about it. Um, but humans love because we were made in the image of God. And everything in the universe was created so that God could love it. God has never made anything that he doesn't love. Do, 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 do. God's loving it. God is love and he's, he planned you and he chose you. And if, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, let that sink in. Let that sink in. God made you to love you. You were made to be loved by God. You weren't made to serve God. You weren't made to trust God. You weren't made to obey God before any of that ever happens. You weren't even made to love God first. Before any of that, God made you to love you. And our first thing that we were made to do is to let God love us. To let God love you. God didn't create you to do something. He created you to receive something from him. And honestly, if you could only get one thing today, if you leave here only hearing one thing I say, this would be it. If you really understand that God loves you the way that I'm telling you he loves you, it would change your whole life. You are made to receive God's love. Not, that's who, who you are, to receive something from God. Not to do something for God, but to receive something from God. You are made to let God love you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you struggle to receive love. I get it. I really do. I understand that you struggle to receive love. You never got it as a child. You had someone break your heart and destroy even the concept of love for you. You... Um, You never saw it modeled, and so you struggle to receive love, any kind of love. But I want to tell you, you were made to let God love you. Listen, you were made for a relationship with God. You were made for a relationship with this God. This thing that we're doing here, Christianity, do you know this is not religion? That's not the point of this. It's not religion. It's a relationship with God. 
Religion is based on rules and regulations and even rituals. That's not what you were made for. You were made for a relationship with this God. And people try to turn Christianity into a a religion. I would just follow the rules and and do the regulations and show up at this time and say this and pray like that. And, And But it's not. It's about a relationship with God. And God wants a relationship with you. And it says in the scripture, he wants you to be his son or daughter. His son or daughter. 1 John 3, 1 says this. For we see how very much our Father loves us. Right? For he calls us his Children. children. And that's what we are. That's what we are. Get this. The creator of the universe wants you to be his son or daughter. His very own children. You don't need to do anything or accomplish anything. You are made to be his child. And some of you have never experienced God that way. Some of you right now are like, yeah, 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 God loves me, I know. If that's your response to God loves you, then you don't get it. You don't get it. If you understood the kind of love that God has for you, it would change everything. He loves you on your good days and on your bad days. He loves you when you don't even think you deserve it. You can't make God stop loving you. Some of you have got to hear what I'm saying today. My prayer all week long is that you would just hear this point. God will never love you any more than he loves you right now. And he will never love you any less than he loves you right now, right this second. God loves you. And it's not based on who you are or or what you do. God's love is based on who he is. God is love. It's his character. But you have to find a way to let God love you. And you have to somehow begin to understand this love. What does it look like to understand the kind of love God has? Ephesians chapter 3 says this. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into what? Into God's love. And it will what? Keep you strong. You may and may you have the power to what? Understand, as all God's people should, how, 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 and how is his love is. That's, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We will never fully understand it. But we talk about things we don't fully understand all the time. Do you know this, that? We talk about things that we don't understand all the time. We pretend like we understand them. Listen to this. Elon Musk is worth $262 billion. $262 billion. This week, the White House passed a Loan Forgiveness Act that will cost America over the next 10 years $240 billion. That's billion with a B. How many people throw around the word billion like we know what it means? Do you ever wonder how much is a billion dollars? How long would it take you to save to become a billionaire? Well, let's figure that out. All right, you ready for just a second here? If you decided you wanted to be a billionaire and you decided, well, I'm going to save, I'm going to save $100 a day every day, $100 a day, right? And I'm just going to save it every day, $100, I'm putting it away. That runs out to about three grand a month, right? Something like that, three grand a month. How long would it take for you to save a billion dollars? 
Well, a billion dollars divided by a hundred dollars a day is, uh, it would take you 10 million days to save that. 10 million days of that, okay? And 10 million days divided by 365 days in a year would net that it would take you somewhere in the neighborhood of 27,400 years to save a billion dollars, okay? And, and you think to yourself, so you could never do it in your lifetime. You couldn't do it in your kid's lifetime. You couldn't do it in your grandkid's lifetime. In fact, get this. If you just decided this was going to be a family legacy and one of your descendants would always save $100 a day and let's say each generation lived to about 90 years old, do you know how many generations it would take until you have a, a billion dollars? Three hundred and uh, four generations. It would take 304 generations to save a billion dollars. God's love is a billion. God's love is a trillion. God's love is a gazillion. Is that a word? Do we even know if that's a word? But we throw these things around like we understand them and we don't. How wide is God's love? God's love is so wide that it, it's everywhere. It's everywhere at all times. There's no place on this planet that God's love isn't there. It's in the inner city. It's in the, it's in the suburbs. It's out in the country. It's in first world countries. It's in second world countries. Is that a thing? Is there such a thing as a second world? There's third world countries. It's, it's all those places. It's everywhere. And there's no place where you can go where God's love isn't there. You're never alone. God's love is always there. How long is God's love? God's love is long enough to last forever. You know, that's the problem with human love. Human love wears out. It, it, it just wears out. That's why we have divorce and broken relationships and, and that stuff. But God's love never runs out. It will last for eternity. He made you to love you and he will never, ever, ever, ever stop loving you. How deep is God's love? God's love is so deep it can handle anything. It doesn't matter what you're going through. And I know somebody today limped in here just holding on. Some of you right now are as low as you have ever been. And you're just barely upright today. You are beaten and broken and discouraged. And you are in the pit of despair. And let me tell you, God's love is so deep, it goes all the way down to the bottom of the deepest pit of despair and will meet you there and say, I'm here, I'm with you, I won't leave you. There's no problem that will separate you from God. God's love is deeper than any problem you have. God's love is so high, it's so high that it covers my sins. It'll overlook my faults and my failures and my mistakes. And God offers forgiveness through the cross, through Jesus Christ. His love is so high, it will cover over anything. Listen, before, you, before the universe was created, before the world was made, he thought of you and he made you to love you. And you have, if you don't hear anything else that, you, that I say today, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, say you have no idea how much God loves you. And I need to hear this myself. You have no idea how much God loves you. God says, I have always loved you. 
I will always love you. I planned your birth. I was there. I was there when you took your first breath. I was there when you cried your first cry. I was there when you smiled the first time. I have been there for every moment of your life. I have seen every pain. I have heard every laughter. And I love every part of you. And some of you are having such a hard time hearing that right now. Let me ask you a question. How would our life change? How would our life genuinely change if we were fully aware of God's love? How would you live if you were fully aware of God's love? If you lived in the moment knowing that God loved you the way that he does, the way that I'm talking about, how would it change the way that you live every single moment of your life? If his unconditional and continuous uh, and never-ending love. If, if you woke up every morning and you immediately thought, oh, God loves me, and, and that changes everything for me, it, what would it feel like to live like that? Well, if you were actually aware of that at all times, you would feel accepted instead of ashamed. You'd feel accepted instead of ashamed. Most people, a lot of people, go through life avoiding God. They're trying to avoid him because they feel ashamed and they feel guilty and they feel judged. And Jesus said, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. In Romans chapter five, verse one, it says this. Therefore, since we have been made what? We've been made right in God's sight by faith. We have what? Peace with God because of what? Who? Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. You have been made right with God through Jesus Christ. When you accept Christ into your heart and, and receive forgiveness for sins, you are made right with God. You are accepted. You, are not, you don't need to be ashamed anymore. You are complete because of his love. And you can have peace in that moment. And why is that so important? Can I just tell you? Because we have spent our whole life addicted to the approval of others. Do you know what I'm talking about? We spend our whole life looking for the approval of others. Starts with our parents and then our peers and then our coworkers and then our bosses and then our spouse and then the person we're dating and then, and then even our own kids. Like We are addicted to the approval of others. You dress the way you do. You talk the way you do. You, there's so many things that you do because you're looking for the approval of other people. But God, when he looks at you, he loves you unconditionally. And when you realize that, that you don't need other people's approval to be happy, that'll set you free. It'll set you free. Listen to what it says here in 1 John 4. We know how much, what? We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is Love. love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows what? More perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. You don't have to be afraid of the day of judgment because, because of God's love and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we are accepted. We can face God with confidence when we know he loves us that much. Let me give you another thing. If you were fully aware of God's love at all times, you would be bold instead of timid. You'd be bold instead of timid. You can be bold in your prayers when you're the son of God, right? You're the child of God. 
Remember when your kids, anybody parents, remember when your kids used to come to you and they just assume that you knew everything, had everything, and could afford everything? You know, they would just assume, well, Dad, clearly you could do this. It wasn't true. They didn't know that, though. They just knew you were Dad. Hey, Dad, you can. I know you can do this. Romans 8, 15 says this. I love this passage. So you've not received a spirit that makes you what? I'm not a fearful slave. I'm a child of God. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his what? Old children. And now we call him Abba Father. The word is Abba. Abba is not just a Swedish rock group. Do you know that? Abba in the Middle Eastern world, right? In much of the Middle Eastern world, right? In much of those languages, that word Abba basically means daddy. Daddy. Means daddy. It's one of the first words that kids will, will learn and will say. It's it's because it's easy to say. Everybody say it. Abba. Abba. Say it. Papa. Papa. Mama. Abba. You hear it? Like it's it's easy to say. It's the very first thing that they say. You're saying daddy. You we don't come to God with some fancy phrase. If my kids came to me and said, We need some and they needed some money, and they were to say something to me like, Oh gracious father. Stately patriarch of our family, purveyor of all things material, I have need. My response would be, what? Right? Instead, they just say, dad, I need cash. And I'm like, I know, I know, I've known your whole life. But they could say it boldly. They could say, Dad, I need cash because they have that relationship with me. We can say, God, I need cash. Some of you are like, God, I need cash. I know. But we can say, Abba, I, Abba, I need this, God, Abba. We can boldly come. You ever hear people pray? And sometimes they pray things like, oh, Lord of hosts. You ever hear people pray crazy prayers like that? And God's like, who's he talking to? Like, I, I think he's saying who's he's talking to. I think God answers to pops. Or, or, or G. What up, G. I think, I think God is, is, is begging us to come to him like his children, like Abba Father. We're his children. We can ask him for anything. We can ask him for everything. Unafraid. God has never looked down at his cell phone and saw your number and went, oh, no, no, no. God has never looked down at his cell phone and gotten a text message and just left it on red. He, he, he's, he's, you're his child. You're the first person he picks up for. He loves you that much. Because of that, in Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You can be bold in bringing your request to your Abba Father. Here's another one. If you are fully aware of God's love at all times, you would have peace in the midst of pain. This one's harder, I acknowledge. But guess what? Stuff is going to happen in this life that you do not understand, that you will not understand this side of heaven. You're going to ask the why question. I don't know about you, but I have asked it my entire life. God, why is this happening to me? God, why is this happening to our family? God, why is this happening now? God, why? What, what is happening? What is going on, God? And, and I want to make sure I say this so that we understand it. God doesn't owe you an explanation. Like he, he doesn't owe you an explanation of why pain happens in the world. 
And not everything that happens in the world is God's doing. Let's be honest about that, right? There's a lot of evil in the world and God hates evil. But the truth of the matter is, is you've done some evil things that have hurt some people. And I've done some evil things that have hurt some people. God's not responsible for that. Um, but we are not going to understand much of the pain that happens in our life. And you don't have to understand it to be at peace with it. Besides, an explanation doesn't even give you peace. If someone you love is to die tragically and, and suddenly, and then you were to get a full explanation as to why it happened, you're like, it doesn't change anything. It's still painful, right? You don't need an explanation to experience peace. What you need is the presence of God. You need God's presence. In Philippians 4, 7, it says this. Then you'll experience what? God's peace, it's his peace, which exceeds anything we can. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in who? Yeah, in Christ Jesus. When you, when you feel at peace, there are moments where you will feel at peace when the world is swirling in chaos or even your world is swirling in chaos and you don't understand what's going on. But if you in that moment can retreat into this, here's what I do know. I do know that God loves me. I know he still loves me. And I know he's a good God. And I know that God is right here with me. He hasn't left me. And I can trust him even if I don't understand what's happening to me right now. We are going to have the same troubles that the world has around us. I promise you. But we can have a peace that the world doesn't understand. Romans 8.28 is that anchor verse for so many of us. And we know that God causes what? God causes what? Everything. Everything to work together for the good, good of those who what? Love God. Love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If you were really, really aware of God's constant, unyielding, unending love for you at all times, you would worship instead of worry. You would worship instead of worry. What is worship? What is worship? Worship is expressing my love to God. That's what it is. You can worship anywhere, amen? You can worship in church. You can worship in your community group. You can worship in your car, driving down the freeway, both windows down. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Right? You can worship anywhere, right? Um, here's the interesting thing about it. When, you, when do you know for sure you are not experiencing God's love? When do you know for sure you are not experiencing God's love? It's when you worry. When you worry, you are basically saying, I've forgotten that God loves me. You, worry is pretending that you have to do it all on your own. Worrying is pretending like you weren't adopted by the creator of the universe, the maker of all things, the God of heaven and earth, right? You've forgotten that you have an Abba Father who loves you. Matthew 6 talks about it this way. So don't worry about these things. Saying what? What will we eat? What will we what? What will we? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father, your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek what? The kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you. If you worry about those things, those 
things that we all worry about, right? It's because in that moment we have forgotten that the God of the universe who adopted you as his child and we've forgotten about how much he loves you. I love the way Rick Warren says this. For some of you, for some of you, your problem is not that you don't love God. Your problem is you don't know how much he loves you. Your problem isn't that you don't love God. Your problem is is that you really have never accepted and experienced and internalized how much he loves you. You need to You need to accept and embrace God's love for you. That's the very first step. When you accept and embrace God's love for you, then you can worship instead of worry. Which leads me to? So what, Steve? What do I do with that? Well, this is very simple, and we designed this service around that. Get this. You were made to love God back. You were made to love God back. Once you fully accept, once you actually begin to understand and and realize how much God loves you, it's unbelievably natural to love God back. Hosea chapter 6 talks about it this way. The prophet Hosea said, God says, I want you to show what? I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to what? Know Know me more than I want burnt offerings. He says, I want you to... To love me back, I want you to be in a relationship with me. That's worship. That's all worship is. It's it's receiving God's love and loving God back. That's all it is. That's what he wants. That's what you were made for, period. So what does worship look like? Well, it's different for everybody. It really is. But it's all the same. It's just saying back to God, I love you. How many people here have heard of the five love languages? Five Love Languages is a book we use with marriage counseling and and talking to people. And and the idea of the love languages, get this, God speaks all five love languages fluently. He speaks them all very fluently. The idea of the love languages book is this, and and I'm not sure there's only five love languages. There may be more, in my opinion. But the idea is this. Everyone has a preferred love language. It's the kind of love that we receive best and easiest. And when it's spoken to us, we really receive love. The five love languages are this. Words of affirmation. I need to hear it. I love you. Say the words. I love you. Say them. That's words of affirmation. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Those are the words. Quality time. Some people say, I need to experience it. I need you to be here. Be present with me. Physical touch. I need to feel your present. Touch me. Acts of service, I need to see your love. Do it for me. Do this for me. Hurry up and do it for me, all right? Uh, Receiving gifts, I want to know that you love me, so show me through tangible items. Give it to me. Here's the problem with the five love languages. Anybody who's looked into this at all understands this completely. The problem with the five languages, we often speak a love language like we want to receive it, not the way somebody else wants to receive it. Anybody else know what I'm talking about on the love language? You're married to someone that receives it very differently than you do, right? That's how it works. I am acts of service and receiving gifts. Don't judge me. I like gifts, all right? Uh, Acts of service and receiving gifts. And if you do something for me, I know you love me. When somebody does the dishes, I know they love me. I was in Panera yesterday and I was working on the sermon and a family from our church came in and they sat down and I said hello to them and I said, I got to get back. I'm working on the sermon. I'm doing it. At the very end, their daughter walked up with a chocolate chip cookie on a plate and put it on my table. 
love language. And I had eaten a salad. I had been so good. I was like, I'm eating that cookie. Uh, That's my love language, right? But get this. My wife's love language is words of affirmation. So does she ever do anything for me? No. Does she ever give me gifts? No. Does she tell me over and over again, I love you so much, I love you so much, baby, I love you so much. And my response is, so? That's not my love language. What do I do for my wife? I do all kinds of things for her. Look, I bought you this. Look, I got you this. Look, I did this for you. Can you imagine how much time I spent doing this? And she's like, so? Just tell me you love me. Oh, yeah, I love you too. God speaks and receives all five love languages. Get this. It's not what you do that matters. It's who you do it for. Whatever your form of worship, it's not what you do. It's who you do it for. Romans 12.1 in the message. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. We're going to worship. But Romans 12.1 in the message paraphrase says it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping and eating and going to work and your walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Whatever it is that is worship for you, you do that. Some people get fired up about serving God through acts of service and you see a need and you jump into it. Matt Lou is always cooking in the kitchen. Some people are weeding out in the planters and and some people are teaching Sunday school and wrenching on a car for somebody that needs it. Some of you are wired to give gifts. You get excited to write a check. When there's a need, you're like, yes. You hear, oh, the church is sending a missions team in October down to Mexico and we want to put in a computer lab and you think, I could buy a computer. I'd love to buy a computer and, and, and send it down to Mexico. You just, you love that stuff, right? Generosity naturally flows out of you. You hear about a single mom that can't afford to put all three of her kids in upward basketball and you think, I could do that. I could write a check for that. That's, that's your act of worship. That's what it looks like. But for many people, our act of worship back to God is words of affirmation and quality time and we just want to be in God's presence and say it back to him. That's why we do this. That's why we do musical worship, right? We offer it back to God and it's not wrong to call this worship. It's not. It's one form of worship, but it's one that means something to so many of us. Music washes over us. The lights dim and the music washes over us and the lyrics are poetry that somebody wrote out, right? Like King David did in years of old. And we say, God, I love you back. I love you back. I love you back. Matthew 6, 6 says it this way in the message. And just in the quietness of wherever you are right now, I want you to receive this from the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense His grace. Abba, Papa, Daddy.
Thank you for loving me as much as you do. God, I love you back. I love you back. Take this everyday ordinary life, this walking around and working and talking and may it be a fragrant offering back to you, God. I worship you because I love you so much because of the way you love me. In your son Jesus' name, amen.